Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Welcome, Newsbusters listeners, to the Newsbusters podcast. I am your associate editor, Nick Night Train Fondacaro, and I'm joined by my managing editor, Curtis Houck. Welcome back, Nick. Good to be with you, folks. Once again, we are we made it to Hump Day, uh, Nick. We're glad you're back here after mm-hmm. some fine vacation. Tell the fine people where you were. I made a trip down to the free state of Florida to the newly reclaimed city state of Disney. Mm, yeah, and he had some other good stuff. Uh, you saw all kinds of, you did all kinds of different things. Yes, uh, I did. Star the, Wars. Oh yeah, I did the very nerdy thing and spent a whole after, a whole, nearly an entire day in Galaxy's Edge, and, and building spe- lightsabers and droids. I spending was money. In, I was. Oh yeah, spending spending money. I I was in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So because of that, because Nick has been away, um, and uh, getting over a head cold, and getting over a head cold, it's not COVID. Uh, yep. He. Um, had not has not been able to weigh in on Brian Stelter yet. And how many years did you cover Brian Stelter for uh, Awesome Listening uh, Shows? Yeah, I, I basically was covering Stelter for almost six years, covering the doing the Sunday shift. Right. So he has a lot to say here. So we're gonna start the show very briefly. I know we're gonna this is gonna be a third show in a row, but we definitely wanna have Nick, uh, our Stelter expert, share a few thoughts about Brian, and then we'll get to the day's news. We have uh we have some census stories in light of redistricting. We have Paul Pelosi. Uh, we have some DeSantis stories as well, um, and the yep. media again trying to and resuscitate we'll be, we'll the Democratic midterms. We'll be doing a little fact checking of the fact checkers here. Yeah, mm, uh, I was gonna say, and once again, uh, boss Tim Graham is enjoying some time away with family mm-hmm. in beautiful, far less humid Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> Dying in Florida. So, uh, like, as you were saying, we got another day of Stelter. So far, it seems like our mentions of Stelter are going to be going longer than it showed it. So, one of the things that I noticed when I was watching uh, his his last show after I had gotten back from vacation is he was talking about how his show, it was small and mighty and punched above its weight. It, it, it was really more like nipping at the ankles, right? Yeah. I mean, it was more so for our personal amusement, I think I feel like, too. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you got Trump to message it, uh, talk about it on uh, Truth Social, but at the same time, it's sort of like, y- your show really didn't do much besides make y- hit, like, didn't do much besides make himself and the network sort of look foolish in how they, like, covered the Biden administration and just Democrats in general. Um, he also went on about how uh, former CNN CEO Tom Johnson said, like, we must, like, the, the, the importance of reliable sources is that we must evaluate the journalism profession. And Selter said like, this is a great idea that this kind of show exists, but that's not what his show really ever was. It was nigh critical of the journalism profession. It was really more of just like a vehicle for the media to reinforce and justify their terrible habits. Just like talk themselves up, talk about how good they are, basically give themselves a, a really strong God complex, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I talked about this on Monday. I feel like the media Stelter and the media viewed themselves, or I might've talked about it on TV. They called themselves to be like, they were almost godly, like a higher power. They, it, it, at its core, when journalism is even done well, some journalists I think have a sort of arrogance about themselves that there are some, because they're supposed to be disconnected, from the population, they're somehow above the population when 
uh, we know that they are just flawed, just like everybody else. And they mention that sometimes, but in terms of, again, putting things into putting their ethics and their, uh, practical skills and theories and, and euphemisms into practice, they don't really do it very well. Oh, exactly. And one of the other things that I found a little bit frightening, but sort of comical in some ways is that he was touting that teachers use his show in the classroom. It's like what, what curriculum looks at Stelter drinking coffee and playing uh, Michael Avenatti as a serious 20, 20 content and go, that I need to show kids. Right. The teachers in that are either not very smart or they're union hacks uh, of Wendy Weingarten uh, who think that he is somehow this cogent person. And what was great was in the video, he showed that when he went to one of these classrooms, he went to a high school. Uh, it was during early parts or later parts of this pandemic. And he was wearing like a mask and he looked like a complete fool. It looked like it was way too small for his face. It was great. Yeah, and one of my one of the guests I always find ironic when he has him on the show, he had he on Carl Bernstein again, and Carl Bernstein was going off about how the truth is not neutral and touting how editors are editors and owners need to understand what about turning down stories and they, they make those important calls about what is or isn't newsworthy. And he claims Jeff Zucker was always interested and he put it above most his, his silly line of obtaining the best possible version of the truth. And the one thing that I would just say to Bernstein with that, and it didn't obviously didn't come up during the show was what about the Hunter story? We're like this thing that we found out is a hundred percent real. And you guys were running around calling it Russian disinformation you, you claim you didn't know it was real. We have video Stelter claiming that. Meanwhile, now we know it's real. And we always really knew it was real. And Bernstein is just going on about how CNN is just only interested in the truth. It's like, clear, clearly you're not. Yeah, clearly you're not. Um, I was surprised, yes. I was surprised Dan Rather wasn't on. That would have just been... I think maybe that was the only thing that would have made it even you know, better. Yeah. Uh, or just Brian just start cursing on the air. Uh, as I said, he was sort of almost like, you know, Bruce Almighty. I said this on the show. It was almost like Bruce Almighty when he found out he didn't get the anchor job. He started mm -hmm. just like bugging the people on the Made of the Mist. Um, mm -hmm. And felt extremely bitter about things. Uh, so again, I mean, I, I, I also said this and I think you would agree, Nick. Uh, as you found with Cuomo, with Fredo having his podcast and soon to be News Nation show, mm -hmm. we hope Seltzer lands somewhere selfishly, even if it's a small platform, so we can continue, continue to make fun of him. Exactly. And that, that's actually another thing that I know. It's like the last time that I took a little bit of time off, Fredo got fired. Now I went on vacation and for a week and Stelter got fired. Yeah. Maybe I should just talk to Tim and being like, hey, can I just get like a month off and we right. can see how cleaned out we can get CNN? Well, I mean, I, I had Roe v. Wade getting overturned. I had uh, New York's draconian gun laws overturned. Uh, and then I le you know, right as I left, Mar-a-Lago was raided. So, I mean, both of us, we're pretty good streaks here. So when we're on vacation, people... Things happen. Things happen. We oh, get I results. Think, I don't think I've actually told this story on the podcast, but uh, Scaramucci. The he missed all of Scaramucci. Literally, the day I went on a vacation was the first day Scaramucci was at the White House, and the morning before I got into the office, he was gone. I literally missed 
all of Scaramucci. He 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 didn't experience the gloriousness, the amazing uh, record of one uh, Anthony Tony Scaramucci. Uh, so I, so yeah, he totally missed that, folks. Imagine missing Scaramucci. Like, so I, we we have this habit here of just like right when we go on vacation, mm. major things happen. Yeah. So I mean, but uh, yeah, I was glad that you know, uh, Stelter was given a final show. I feel like because uh, that would have just been a lot more awkward, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. you know. Probably it's probably a bit of an apology too because they the the news had leaked of the show being canceled when they were supposed to announce it later in the week. Well, he leaked it probably himself. That's <laughs> that's probably a, a good assumption yeah. to make. Um, well, speaking of other major news stories that ha- have been dropping lately, um, our What's Bill Bill D'Agostino over here with a. Uh, Covering, he has a study on the media blackout of census errors that go in Democrats' favor and hurt Republicans. Right. I mean, this is a story that goes back a couple of months. As everybody knows, or most people should know, I should say, uh, you know, the House races that you all have voted on in your primaries, large, which largely wrapped up on Tuesday night, are for new congressional seats. Your lines have been redrawn either dramatically or just around the edges, depending on where you live. Or if you live in a small state and you just have one seat, that's it. Um, So what happens is with the census, obviously the census was a huge challenge because of COVID, um, but it was still done. And they often do, with every census, they do what's called a post-enumeration survey to figure out how much they messed up. They can't change anything, but they figure out how much they messed up. Barring that disconnect or leaving that disconnect aside, Bill looked at the numbers and he was actually interested uh, based on a column that was found, uh, that was penned in the Washington times by the heritage foundations, Hans Hans Pekoski, who is a perhaps the nation's foremost like election integrity, voter fraud expert. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. talk the talk and can make wild and outlandish and dumb claims Hans has the goods to back it up. Hans, he's, he's Hans on the, Hans on, on the issue. He's Hans on the issue, and he's been doing this for a decade, longer than a lot of us young people have been alive, so he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he pointed out that, you know, I'm going to read here from his column, these costly errors distort the congressional representation. He's talking about that a number of states, they were either wildly overcounted or undercounted. It means the Census Bureau reapportioned the House of Representatives. Florida was cheated out of two additional seats. Texas missed out on another seat. They added two, so they would have had three new ones. Minnesota and Rhode Island each kept a representative they shouldn't have, and Colorado was awarded a new member of the House it didn't deserve. Uh, Cook and uh, Bloomberg and a number of other places do these projections um, through the years leading up to a census, and by a lot of projections, Rhode Island and Minnesota were screwed. I mean, Minnesota's case at the very end of sort of the Rust Belt, you know, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, all those states lost a seat, which was very predictable. Minnesota was supposed to be part of that. And it was kind of shocking when they did it. And same goes for Rhode Island. They were also supposed to lose a seat, and which would have been bad because they would have gone down from two seats to one seat. And... And it ended up not happening. And, and, and sure enough, based on the study uh, that the census themselves did the, uh, with the commerce, out of the Commerce Department, that 
the the sh- the shock and surprise was you know was not unfounded uh that they messed up that they had in that population should be overcounted but as you point out nick that it was not surprisingly not covered in the broadcast networks because spoiler alert the fact that certain states were given or kept seats they shouldn't have benefited blue states and the states that were cheated mm-hmm. out of more house seats were red states imagine yes. that yeah, so the breakdown of states that whose populations were undercounted were Arkansas, Florida, Illinois, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Texas. Obviously, most of them are red states. And our Bill D'Agostino found that um, as of August 23rd yesterday, uh, to date the podcast a little bit, uh, there was only one mention on either the broadcast networks or the cable networks, uh, the liberal cable networks, I should say. And that would be CBS with a total of 24 seconds at 4.15 a.m. when most people are either still asleep or the few people are getting ready for work and not watching Rich noise is a, Rich noise is awake sometimes. Rich noise, is, <laughs> rich noise is awake that early, but not yep. the rest of us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think this, this is a really big story. Uh, it's been going on for a couple months now, and we're really glad Nick looked, or uh, Bill looked into this because it, again, jives with the results out of New York and uh, Florida over uh, the last couple uh, days, last 24 hours, depending on when you're listening to this show, which leads me very quickly to uh, the one story that I wanted to talk about, which is the mm. fact that, you know, regarding the the midterm results, uh, leaving aside Jerry Nadler versus Carolyn Maloney uh, in New York, of course, they didn't really attach party labels to them, so that was a problem. They often referred to them as party powerhouses, um, which is true because... You know, one one chairs the Judiciary Committee, the other chairs the Oversight Committee, two of the most powerful committees in Congress, along with probably the Budget Committee um, and Appropriations Committee. So um, it, it was a big deal when they merged. You know, basically, it used to, Central Park was, I believe, was the dividing line between a lot of these states or between these seats between Maloney and mm-hmm. Nadler, and they decided to combine the two. Um, and they say it was quirk and redistricting. New York lost population. People left the city. Uh, so when people leave and you lose a seat, you have to jiggle things around. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of peop- a lot of people left those very wealthy areas that Nadler and Maloney represented. So that's just one like side note, which I think is really annoying. Mm-hmm. Well, well, another another way that the media is sort of covering this, too, is they when, when they mention it, that it is it's very bemoaning. It's very lamenting. It's like, oh, man, these two great Democrats need to one of only one that has to be left standing. But if this was a Republican and it was two Republicans that were going at each other, they would pull up seats, grab, make some popcorn and call it a brawl or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to do that. And yeah, they would like, but with, in this case with Natalie Maloney, they were like lamenting. It's like, Oh man, it got dirty. The last couple last day or so it's gotten dirty. Now Maloney doesn't have a job. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Um, and then the other problem has been, uh, and we're gonna we're just going to ignore Florida because, uh, you know, oh, the media tries the me- tries the media might yes. Well, Rebecca Jones, they didn't mention Rebecca Jones uh, getting getting winning the Democratic nomination, con- COVID conspiracy theorist and con serial artist, li- serial and, liar. Yeah, just um, general nut job. Yeah, I mean the you, you'll have to follow on Twitter all the folks in Ron DeSantis's team. Uh, they've been documenting and calling out the nonsense, very vague descriptors for Rebecca Jones and these sort of uh, 
you know, like little tweets about such and such wins the Democratic primary. She is a blah, 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 you know, blankety blank and will face Matt Gates. you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, Charlie Crist, perhaps the most detestable person, one of the most detestable people in politics, just ask Scott Whitlock, uh, will face Ron DeSantis and Val Demings will uh, face Marco Rubio. Um, Kristen Walker on NBC tried to say it's a story, but I don't really, you know, most people don't really buy it. You ask our Jorge Benilla down in uh, Florida and you're not really going to go there. But the main point is they are very excited in trying to boost Democrats uh, in light of a special election in the Hudson Valley last night between Pat Ryan and Mark Molinaro. Uh, let's play a little mashup here uh, from my Newsbusters blog of them being really excited and how abortion will be the key issue going forward. Let's take a listen. And two hours north in New York's Hudson Valley, a special election there may set the roadmap for midterm strategies come fall. Democrat Pat Ryan won last night against Republican Mark Molinaro in the first competitive House election since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, setting the stage for what could be the last national test case on whether abortion will drive voters in November. We have roughly two months till we find out if Democrats have momentum to preserve majorities in Congress or if Republicans are poised for victory. Abortion rights, women's reproductive health rights, that's gonna be a pivotal issue, but the question is, will it be the pivotal issue for voters? Question is, Nate, Jamie, and Tony, will that transcend the kitchen table, grocery price, mm. gas price right. issue? In New York, a Democrat pulls out a big win in a key swing district. The biggest takeaway of all came in that special election in New York, where the Democrat pulled out a victory over his Republican challenger by running on a platform of abortion rights. The implications for the fall, Democrats could put on a fiercer fight than expected to hold on to power, with abortion at the center of it all. Democrat Pat Ryan winning in a special election in a bellwether swing district that has predicted every presidential election since 1996. Both parties glued to that race. Ryan campaigned on abortion rights, which Democrats hope can fire up key voters this year. And Republican Mark Molinaro had focused on key Republican issues, inflation and crime. Now, Ryan campaigned on abortion rights. Of course, that's an issue Democrats are hoping will fire up key voters this year. And in the Hudson Valley, Democrats were able to hang on to a key House seat. Pat Ryan defying the polls, winning his race in a key swing district. He made abortion rights a central focus of his campaign. This was a big test for Democrats. Okay, so they're pulling out all the stops and trying to do everything they can to drag Democrats back across the finish line. Um, you, you know, you had uh, Scott McFarlane, who took some time away from being the January 6th uh, correspondent for CBS News, because uh, that's literally all this man does with his free time, uh, talked about how, yes, it set the stage for what could be a national test case on whether abortion will drive voters in November. Granted, this was upstate New York in the Hudson Valley, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just south of Albany was the district. Uh, Pat Ryan almost exclusively focused on abortion. He made it all about abortion. Kristen Welker of NBC as you heard in the clip, referred to it as republic uh, inflation is crime is Republican issues. Well, if you look at polls, including some of NBC's polling over the last year, inflation and crime are the top issues for all voters. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the state of New York. Unf you know, 
I think I think that's the that's, that's the key too. That that sort of like shows the elitist attitude of a lot of in the media. It's like the poor people will care about the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The rubes out there, they're caring about inflation, whereas the real Americans are caring about abortion rights. It's a test case. Uh, uh, I mean, we'll see. And, and again, I mean, well, for as much as our politics have been nationalized, we see this a lot that politics in some ways remains local. So just because New York voters maybe more vote motivated to vote based on abortion. I know you hail from New York, Nick, but it is one of the most mm-hmm. liberal states in the country for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a suburban sort of district. We're not, no, no offense to, um, Claudia Tenney or Elise Stefanik, whose district's a little bit more rural. Claudia Tenney used to be my uh, representative. Yeah. There. She, I mean, no offense to that. I mean, those are more, but those are more rural seats. And there's, there's only like now two going to be probably, I think two of them in New York now based on having lost a seat. Um, and so it's a suburban seat. So that's, I mean, and they try to say that, you know, ones in can special elections in Kansas and Minnesota that were Republican seats were closer than should have been expected. Um, the only thing we'll just say is it's a turnout issue. Um, but that gets into some sort of issues, a little, get a little bit more into the weeds and the same goes for the census that the superficial GMA doesn't really have time to talk about. They're just, they'd rather talk about, I don't know. Today they sent a couple who like had their engagement photos outside of Olive Garden, gave them a free trip to uh, Italy for their honeymoon. So that's the kind of thing that they do. That's the kind of thing that you get in your morning news. Sadly, based on the ratings, that's what people like. Yeah, it's it's rather disappointing. Um, so yeah, so that's what we have on the uh, redistricting front, and and I just actually want to add one thing that uh, uh, Bill, our Bill, uh, said in his thing. He's like, imagine the blood curdling shrieks we'd hear, we'd be hearing from CNN on N- CNN and MSNBC if census errors had set Democrats back even a single congressional seat, let alone six that the that Republicans got set back. It would literally be, there would be cries of insider job and threats to democracy, rocking the foundations of the country. That That's what the news cycle would be. Right. I mean, they would, they would demand fun. like judicial injunctions to like put, to quickly put in the new districts before right. election day. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're looking at there. But on to the broadcast networks and uh, some booze time. Some booze time. Some booze time with the Pelosi's. I know Jesse Waters has been all over this story uh, if you watch his show. Uh, But when it comes to the broadcast networks, Nick, as our Kevin Tober wrote last night, the interest level is not quite the same. Yeah, so the uh, the broadcast networks, uh, ABC and CBS, have finally discovered that uh, Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband is a little bit of a booze hound and, uh, likes to get behind the wheel after pounding back a few brewskis. Uh, so this is the first time any of them had mentioned, uh, Paul Pelosi's DUI and C- ABC gave it a whopping 22 seconds. Hey, you know what? Sometimes news briefs with David Muir can only be like 10 or 12 seconds, you know, that might as well be like a four minute segment. He can only focus on so many words. Um, 
And CBS did better with a with 23 seconds. Mm. A whole second more. A whole second more. That might have been a breath. Like, <laughs> like Nora needed to take a breath between sentences, and that's probably the extra time. Yeah. And NBC was still ignoring it. Mm. Imagine if Kevin McCarthy's wife got drunk and, D- and committed a DUI. Or it, it, another, you see another prominent Californian politician. Yeah. And like if his wife got drunk and went driving and got caught by the police, it would be, look at this embarrassing thing that happened to the Republican minority leader. Right. Yeah. I mean, now he's doing it like sort of legally, but John Boehner is a big supporter of like marijuana now. And, and the media are like, oh, this is really cool. But, you know, uh, and we should point out Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi, uh, some folks may know that there's some shenanigans going on there with some stock trading and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with the microchips uh, that, That's another thing legislation. that the media is not really covering. So, so in other words, they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The fact that they couldn't afford an Uber or even a personal driver is pretty embarrassing. It's sort of the arrogance of like, oh, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm Paul Pelosi. If I get caught, I can probably even get, get, get out of it. Do you know who I am? I know some guys. If if you knew the people that I knew, you wouldn't be arresting me now. Officer. Yeah, I was gonna say like some six time gender fluid like ma like mafia in like downtown San Francisco. The f- flamers out there would be like, oh man, you would not mm. want to mess with those guys. Mm. Oh, exactly. Okay. okay. And, sure. and the other the other thing is like he he got a pretty light sentence. He, I think it was supposed, it was supposed to be like five days in prison, and he got, he got two four days, sir. Four, two. Yeah, two days. Yeah, four. He he basically only has to spend like an afternoon in jail. But even that's like supervised work or something like that. So like yeah. Waters was wondering yesterday if he's going to uh, his like work is going to have to be like pick up trash on the side of the road. But I highly doubt that. Waters predicted that it's going to be like he'll be giving financial advice, like finan- like he'll pull, do a Dave Ramsey like class for people in jail. Oh, if he is, oh, no. that'll be hilarious. I, I I just had a thought of like if it is just like picking up trash on the side of the road, somebody find out like what road it is and start just like dump a bunch of trash. But then you'd probably get hit with like littering fines and stuff. So don't do that. Yeah, I was gonna say, wait, never mind. <laughs> yeah, the actual that. really great idea is not a good idea. No, you'll probably get more jail time for the littering. Yes. Uh, as I said yesterday, we live in a two-tiered justice system. Yeah, I saw your tweet about that, and I uh, I like that because it, it really was to show that, like, it, 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 he also has, like, three years probation, and he has to have the breathalyzer in the car. But there's probably a lot of people in California who are even – well, we have to really focus on California because other states have harsh – probably have harsher laws. But – there's more likely that there are people who have done similar stuff and have gotten harsher sentences and had to actually spend the five days, maybe a week or a month in jail for, for the same thing. <laughs> and, right. and it's just, he's got the Pelosi name. That's all you got. Yeah. Um, well, and finally we want to talk about DeSantis. So, uh, yeah, almost or, kind of started where we began. So we have a fact checking story, uh, my story yesterday for Newsbusters was this amazing Washington Post editorial. Real quick, that I want to mm-hmm. touch on is mm-hmm. is so they had a big announcement last week that they had last arrested twenty people for breaking Florida's election laws despite having been banned from voting. 
Now, mm-hmm. the, as per the announcement, the people charged were murderers and guilty of sex crimes. The Washington Post claims that based on certain laws in Florida that DeSantis had, they claim, has tampered with or made adjustments to and made it confusing uh, so that uh, that otherwise would have just allowed them after so many years or time served uh, to have their voting rights restored. And that DeSantis, DeSantis is tankering with, tinkering with the around the edges of this agreement or law or whatever referendum that it was leaves uh, their room for confusion. So it was confusion. But the real takeaway from the Washington Post was that it will have a chilling effect on our democracy. And it is, quote, a clear effort to deter legitimate voting. So this is what Ron DeSantis does so well. And many people, many people are saying he sometimes is able to do even better than Donald Trump at, which is goad the media into an insane position where they're lamenting the fact that murderers and sex criminals were stopped from trying to vote when they shouldn't have been. It's an amazing position. Uh, And the media continue to fall for it every time. And DeSantis stays on message. uh, And by staying on message and staying focused, he completely makes them look like utter fools. That, that that's literally one of the things that I made a note of when, as you were talking here, it's like, it's really odd. That's like, we need to defend the voting block for our base of murderers, criminals, rapists, child abusers. Like we, we need to defend our access to that voting base. Well, that's that just voting what, block. this is what Tucker Carlson's monologue was about on Tuesday night, which is, about how, about the rise of carjacking and how in a lot of these cities they're so called like at risk youth programs for like kids who get charged with these sorts of crimes. They're like violin lessons or you get visited by the mayor at like your sentencing, which you're not really sentenced to anything. Um, and it really doesn't do anything, but the left supports them anyway because they view it as a way to uh, gain votes uh, when people on the streets are the ones who suffer the real consequences. And that's the exact same thing here with the media where they're trying to, they've been, uh, they're so hell bent on maintaining their constituency or focused on race, uh, to, you know, miss the forest from the trees. And meanwhile, we're able, we're seeing the, the pushback from the people of with recall races, uh, recall efforts yeah. in California and other places where they want to get rid of these progressive, uh, DAs, and everybody just sees or I, either the the recall efforts or just the great public pushback where like like Alvin Bragg in new in uh, Brooklyn, where the public outcry was just so much that he actually ended up just changing his policies before anything like that could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on to so, sort of the DeSantis news where we're going to fact check some of the fact checkers here. So some random person on Twitter named Freus Patriot decided to put out some stupid little list of what he, what they claimed were books banned in Florida schools, which included, uh, of mice and men, uh, the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, a handmaid's tale, liberal favorite, uh, 1984, the grapes of wrath, color purple, uh, the Harry Potter series, as if we are, the witches are coming. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, we're, we're, we don't live in Salem. Um, 
And where, where was the other one? Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So it, it has that list and you had people like Mark Hamill claiming that it was real, putting this out. You had MSNBC, uh, Katie Fang claiming that we should start the BBC, the boosted books club to amplify these titles. And you had Randy Weingarten tweeting about, about this list of books that were supposedly banned and, uh, it's fake. None of them are banned. No, no, none, none of these are banned. And we had our friends or our, our enemies over at Snopes, instead of labeling this disinformation, false lies, we're going to do a little slap on the wrist and call it some satire. We're just, it's just satire. That's all it satire. is. Something it's just that, all it is. Something that they had to be dragged kicking and screaming to label the Babylon Bee article about CNN buying an industrial washing machine to spin the news. They labeled that misinformation, which is it's literally an actual joke. Like how... Like it literally, it, it's clearly a joke on its face. But meanwhile, they decided to just go ahead and label this satire, even though the person claimed in a tweet that's now deleted that says, I'm not going to say where this list came from due to protecting sources. But if this list is wrong, then I invite Ron DeSantis to publicly state the books on this list are not banned. And if he, right. So clearly be putting on this adversarial tone, not a joking tone to, to say that these books are banned. And the person who did this, uh, or the, the, um, the fact checker for this is Bettina Palma, who is known to newsbusters a little bit because th- th- she doesn't really fact check. She tries to, uh, check the intent of stuff. She, she wants content, uh, uh, context checking the The, intent. Yeah. This is, she's the same fact checker who fact checked me when I reported that Malcolm Nance put out a tweet saying that I, that he nominated Trump tower Istanbul to be bombed by ISIS. He put out that tweet. We reported on it. Other places reported on it. Washington examiner reported on it and he ended up deleting it. And Miss Palma decided to fact check us and claim we were false. And her argument was this guy is a counterterrorism expert. Why would he want ISIS to bomb Trump tower? And in her piece, she even writes that she was not able to get contact, get in contact with Malcolm Nance. And so she's just basically saying like, Oh, like he, he didn't he, really mean it. Yeah, He didn't really mean it. He, he wasn't saying the thing that he blatantly uh, wrote that he said. A counterterrorism expert would not do this. That's yeah. just like saying police officers and judges are supposed to uphold the law. Why would they do something against the law? A- exactly. You're like, so you've never heard of corruption before. You've yeah. never heard of people sticking their foot in their mouth before. I mean, exactly. And that's exactly what's stupid. You know, you had Katie Fang, you had uh, Tom Nichols. Exactly. I mean, you had some big accounts sharing this sort of thing and spreading it to their fiendish resistance base. And now that you have all these bleep libs out there, uh, you know, rich white wine mom, liberal wine moms now probably believe that this is the case and it's not true. Exactly. No manipulated media, no like, shading you know blurring it out for false information none of that 
Exactly. And this, this post has, uh, according to the, uh, the embedded tweet that we have here on the website, it has over 130,000 likes. Insane. Yeah, that's 130, possibly 130,000 people that believe this is true. Yeah. And it's, it's very poisonous misinformation, obviously directed at a possible Republican candidate for president. And the media just want to label it. Eh, it's, it's just a joke. This, this stupid thing that I said, it's a joke. It was, uh, what is the Seinfeld saying? It's not a lie if you believe it. Exactly. That's kind of where we are with this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what we got for, uh, that's what we got on the website today. Um, we're going to have more this week and the rest of the week. We have the briefing coming back on Wednesdays Woo! Woo! for one day only because then Biden is back on vacation. He's going to Montgomery County next door here. Uh, uh, speaking of rich white liberal like libs. Uh, that's like the capital of that rich white liberals uh, for a DNC event. Then he's going on vacation. So, yeah. All right. So as our Tim Graham likes to say, you got to visit news buses once, twice, 24 times a day. We'll see you on Friday. Bye-bye. Bye.